Welcome to The Backbone, but first, a word from our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid for your podcast. Anchor is what I use to bring you The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. It connects your podcast seamlessly to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more, making your podcast available wherever your audience chooses to listen. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. I'm your host, Shabam Data at Shabam on Twitter. On The Backbone, we're obsessed with finance and operations at startups. We take a close look at finance functions within various startup companies by talking to finance leaders that are in there day in and day out. We chat startup finance, metrics, operations, and everything in between. On this episode, I chat with Anthony Scolaro, the VP Finance and Operations at Lukova, a company powering experienced commerce for in-store brands with their proprietary Bluetooth technology. Anthony has experience in a wide range of areas, including finance, accounting, and operations, with roles at multinationals, NGOs, and startups, including Right to Play, Deloitte, Fairmont Hotels, and Scotiabank. He has international experience in over 35 countries in North and South America, Asia, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and is presented in many conferences across the world. Anthony is a Harvard Business School graduate, where he is a member of the Harvard Business School Alumni Angels of Toronto, a chartered professional accountant, a chartered financial analyst, and holds a Bachelor of Business Administration from the University of Toronto. Good morning, Anthony. Thanks for coming on The Backbone and joining me this morning. Uh, and I want to get started right away. So you've been with Lakova now for almost four years. And prior to that, you held roles at Deloitte, Right to Play International, and Scotiabank. So talk to me about your journey to Lakova and how you got into tech as a finance leader. Good morning as well. Thank you, Thank you for having me. So um, I'm originally from Toronto, uh, and then I attended uh, University of Toronto, U of T, for, for business management. Uh, and after graduation, I worked at Deloitte uh, okay. in a private client services group. So I've always kind of had that bent towards uh, like private high-growth companies rather than public Fortune 500. And mm-hmm. It was a great experience uh, because we were, since we were serving relatively smaller clients, like from day one, I was interacting with the with the C-suite executives in various industries, so, so learned a lot. Right on. And really, from from early on in my career, I I, I believed that I wanted to be a CFO, uh, and I thought that the biggest, the three biggest trends that you would really need to to adapt to are one, globalization, technology, and like operational strategy and governance, right? So to be a CFO rather than, let's say, just a chief accountant or, or a controller. Right. And Deloitte offers this amazing opportunity called the International Development Fellowship, where it loans out staff to, to NGO clients. That oh, cool. took a leave of absence and worked for this incredible charity called Right to Play International, uh, based in Uganda. So they're, they're headquartered in in Toronto, but I, I went to Uganda for a few months uh, hmm. to perform their internal audits and, and improve their 
their decentralized like finance and operation function between headquarters and the and the program offices around the world. So afterwards, I, I loved it so much, wanted to do it again the next year, uh, and then actually the CFO instead offered me a full time role. So I obviously accepted, uh, <laughs> <laughs> never looked back. So after went back to Deloitte, qualified as a CA or, or now CPA. Uh, and then, yeah, joined Right to Play as their internal auditor and, and finance manager. So I reported to the CFO and, and with a dotted line to the treasurer of the board, um, Mr. Mark Wiseman, who was the, the president of CCBPPIB at the time. Mm-hmm. So I learned a, a tremendous amount from, from both of them about growing an organization. Right to Play operates in, in around 26 countries around the world. So. I learned a lot about that centralized, decentralized operational aspect in, in finance. So kind of having that, that travel and, and international aspect covered, so between Right to Play and, and, <laughs> also did, uh, yeah, uh, and University Co-op at Fairmont. So I've, I've worked in over 20 countries now. Wow. Some longer assignments more in China, Pakistan, Thailand, Ghana, Germany. Uh, and the longest being as the acting Middle East and North African regional finance officer. So I was based in, in Beirut, Lebanon for a while. Wow. Um, kind of having that globalization part, I, I, I turned to learning that strategy aspect. So during the, my time at Right to Play, I concurrently attended Harvard Business School, their exec leadership program. So it's their alternative to, to an EMBA. You mm-hmm. go back and forth. Uh, while still working full time, so it really taught me kind of through the case method, all those other management skills like negotiations, strategy, and and everything that a CFO would need to sit at the leadership table, not just as a finance head, but but really being part of the leadership team. Sure. Finally, to the, the tech aspect, right? To gain exposure in that, I started actually angel investing. And oh, cool. Through a through a friend at Mars was doing impact investing at the time. I met the brilliant Lakova CEO, Ahmed Jaz. When he, he left, we, we got talking, we became friends. And, and when he left Mars to finally start Lakova, I, I joined as an investor and, and the treasurer of the board uh, and more of that kind of finance fundraising capacity. Mm-hmm. So in between, I did a short stint at Scotia uh, in global wealth management. But as Lakova grew, the, the need for a, for a full-time finance and operations officer rose and yeah never looked back awesome that's a really really cool story so tell me a bit more about Lukova and what what that it's all about and what you guys do uh so our, our vision is our vision is really all around the, the point of experience so we believe the the transaction world is, is really bifurcating into okay. you have more the the self-checkout high-tech high-tech stuff like the amazon go store right so it's mm-hmm. you and and the, and the commodity uh, and then versus the really high touch point retailers or, or services. So really, we feel that the companies are being forced to pick one. They, they're really, there's no longer an opportunity to be in the middle. You have to pick one strategy. So being a, a low cost, high experience uh, business is, is pretty difficult. So rather than the, the tech aspect, we see an opportunity in the, in the high touch point products and services where our competitors are are more so throwing technology at the end users, for example, through beacon push messages. Mm-hmm. We chose rather to, to put the technology in the hands of the staff to, to okay. provide a better personalized experience. Right? So the, the point of sale hardware is situated at the, at the highest point of 
impact, the, the point of intent, right? It's that mm-hmm. purchase. So it's it's that transaction that we're looking to disrupt uh, by using by using the customer's mobile device more so as a sensor. So we, we want them to keep it in their pocket, right? So we activate that sensor when they walk into that physical commerce space. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Imagine this simple step when a person is, is being identified when they arrive. So it happens before they start the transaction, not at the end. So from there, imagine the possibilities when you, you empower that staff to be more than just a, an expensive finger on the POS. So, so maybe you can elaborate on that example so I can get kind of a, a, a visual picture. So let's say I walk into a store. Uh, like right now, are you specified in certain verticals, or it's across the the retail landscape? Uh, it's we're in we're in uh, a few verticals now. So it's it's less about which vertical. It's more within each vertical. There's usually a higher kind of touch point, and mm-hmm. there's more of the commodity base. So there's okay. There's the Harry Rosens and there's the Walmarts, right? There's the Fruits right. and the Motel Six. So within, but that's more so how we identify our, and segment our market within the verticals, not agnostic. Got it. So you're targeting more the Harry Rosens and the Four Seasons as opposed to the Walmarts or Motel Six. Correct. Got it. Got it. So uh, you're empowering the the uh, you know person behind the counter operating that POS with the uh, tools to really provide an enriching customer experience and that and then the kind of the point of sale part is table stakes like is that a fair uh assessment of that uh correct so you need that that hardware infrastructure so mm-hmm. our, our our model is, a, is still a software SaaS cloud-based system mm-hmm. the hardware it provides that the, the necessary data and the tools to more curate and deliver those those best brand moments and, and point as experience that I'm, I'm glad you picked up on. Um, we're doing our job, I guess, trying to promote. Uh, you know, you're promoting the, the the sales associate to rather curate and deliver that that brand moment. Right, right. So it's a more of a, you know, it's less about the just cashing you out and getting you out the door, but it's more about, you know, that, that human touch, that human element uh, of that transaction, because technology is taking care of the, you know, the what it needs to do, like scan the item and get it, whatever, uh, put into the system. But uh, it allows the associate behind the counter to have those interactions because they know a bit more about the customer. Um, which is which I, I think is is one of the advantages to physical retail to begin with, and why people go in to shop as opposed to buying things online. Absolutely. So it's not even it's the identification piece even before that, not the associate behind the counter, but really walking the floor. Mm-hmm. They know who you are when you walk in. Right, right, right. That's really cool. So, uh, switching gears now a little bit to um, back to you. Um, you, you've got a unique perspective. You know, coming from a not-for-profit organization like Right to Play, what has been the biggest difference and/or adjustment that you've had to make now in your role at Locova? Difference from nonprofits to, I guess, one thing: fundraising has a very different connotation <laughs> now. Though I guess at a at a charity it's a donation, but but now right. any funds uh, I'm expected to give back times ten. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, from that angle, it's different. But to be honest, it, it's a it's a change, but not really a huge 
huge adjustment because um, both were, were very high growth organizations. Mm-hmm. You still had to deal with a lot of uncertainties, um, which kills kills the accountant in me. But uh, learn to <laughs> um, but I, I more so I really view both as having like a social impact as well. So it also flows flows within my my broader career path and, and general philosophy on life. Like, I guess it just happened that I first obtained that exposure at an NGO, mm-hmm. uh, and then founded a startup with a with a social mission. But they can both evolve and, and really combine the best of both worlds. So I really think like the crux of it is where the, I feel the biggest real impact will occur is kind of when those blended for-profit social companies really start to emerge. And, and I hope Lakova is, is one of many that, that will lead the way for that, right? So, right, right. So my mindset's never really changed. It's always been about kind of that greater purpose more than more than just the bottom line. Uh, so that's what attracted me to Lakova's vision, like trying to really humanize those everyday transactional relationships. So, so mm-hmm. a lot of time really transaction with businesses and merchants that we're loyal to, but think that it could be done in, in a much better way. Like our, our vision always starts with like 100 years ago, it was really those village customer focused mentalities, right? And that, that's, yeah. really, that's very difficult to scale in enterprises globally in metropolises around the world, right? In, in this new Silk Road. So mm-hmm. the, like the local baker didn't need any loyalty points, right? They just knew everything yeah. by name. Right. Yeah. And to be fair, I guess it doesn't hurt that there's a, an opportunity to benefit economically as well, mm-hmm. but. No, I think that's what really drives the team and I is to see that there's this opportunity to bring that that mission and, and value to life. Great, that's cool. So you touched on financing a little bit and mentioned how fundraising is very different and has a very different uh, you know perspective coming from. Uh, uh, a nonprofit to now Lukova. So I want to dig into that a bit more. Uh, Lukova was, you know, has been around since 2012. And uh, apart from the seed round it, it raised in 2013, the company hasn't really raised any institutional capital yet. Uh, what is your take on kind of bootstrapping versus raising venture capital? And how are you thinking about the next stage of Lukova's growth from your perspective as the VP finance? It's uh, a good question. So we've done a, a number of, of rounds, but not institutional. Their, their finance were backed by high net worth individuals. Mm-hmm. So we, we felt that that was the right progression uh, to kind of use that seed seed capital to the, develop the product and then and then market fit. Uh, so it, as you said, like it could be a very different model than than other startups that are that are maybe more B two C or or doing an enhancement in the marketplace. They can they can grow really really quickly fast, right? Mm-hmm. And trying to be, be disruptive in the B two B and enterprise space, it's, you know, creating that new idea in marketplace it takes a little little longer and, and some patience. Mm-hmm. So so we've used that that seed money to get to this point. But now we're definitely certainly at a point looking at institutional capital that will take us to the next stage. Uh, their vision. And so when you think about, you know, you, you touched on this again briefly, is, you know, when you're fundraising um, for for a nonprofit, it's about it's donations. But when you're now fundraising, it's about making sure that that capital gets returned times some sort of multiple. 
Yes. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's more, maybe it's less. Um, so has that been a, a factor in your consideration as to, uh, you know, getting that seed capital is a lot more patient. Maybe the multiple will apply to that when their uh, their return expectations are a bit lower. Has that been a factor? And now you're kind of ready to, uh, you use 10x, so I'm going to go with that. And now you're ready to return capital at 10x. And so now you're thinking about institutional capital? Um, no, it's less about the the multiple and, and more just just timing. Take take uh, our philosophies kind of taken as you need. Um, and now it's as I mentioned, it's a point where you like the we more need fuel for that for the fire, mm-hmm. like to really scale out the, the the sales and marketing aspect rather than product and, and market. We've right, kind of figured all that out, and now it's just just a matter of scale. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, you know, in in your opinion, so last question before we hop into the quick fire round. Uh, in in your opinion, what is the importance of the finance function at a technology company? What is the importance of a finance? Um, well, biased. I, I think it is a very important <laughs> role. Uh, everyone on on the show seems to have this uh, biased uh, <laughs> feedback on this. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, uh, yeah, I think it's a very important role. So, so as I mentioned, I began at the company uh, as an investor and board treasurer. So maybe mm-hmm. you can argue full time or not, but the, the role itself is important, right? So, and I think why it's so. I guess it's in my career I've been exposed early to kind of that corporate side of what what finance and operations looks like. Mm-hmm. Lots more mature company. So I guess that's what interests me about like such a role. Is, is, is actually less about putting processes in place, but more so hacking like the business model and figuring out ways to get to this next stage and milestones. And, and I guess due to my, and I'm assuming the other, the other startup finance heads, the, their corporate exposure, it provides us with, with that idea of where it needs to go eventually, right? And, right. and it allows us to bring that skill set, but also to, to think like an entrepreneur and not just as a professional finance manager. Got it. Got it. And so what I'd like to do now is uh, do a quick fire round. And so the way this works is I'll ask you a couple of questions and you'll have about 15 to 20 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound? I'll try it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what is your go-to online resource for all things startup finance related? Um, I guess kind of finance and, and SaaS blogs uh, but really more so I, I read a lot more on leadership and, and scaling like operations like the Harvard Business Review articles and I'm a big more so like anthropology foreign policy nerd but cool I try to take a lot more of those lessons from, from those disciplines like case studies and, and biographies and, and learning to emulate those successful leaders and, and, and right. learn from their mistakes as well Awesome. That's cool. Uh, and so what is your favorite productivity hack for, you know, doing some of those while still getting the work done? Um, well, Asana, I use for the, the to-do lists. Uh, nice. Meetings outside, right, when discussing big picture stuff. Uh, oh, so meetings outside is in, like, literally, like, outdoors? Yeah. But like, oh, cool. It's nice. Um when more strategy versus like tactics operationally so mm-hmm. that, like ambience really matters uh it, it affects the mentality and you know we've even been known to the white not even whiteboard get those dry erase markers on a on a condo balcony window right? oh wow <laughs> being high on a high 
right? It inspires just loftier goals and thinking outside the box. Sure, sure, yeah. But huh, think, interesting. Uh, yeah, for for I guess, but more for the team. Like we really try to find that inspiration. We encourage them to find it outside of work, like in really trying to find a way to recharge their batteries. So it's not how much hard you work; it's more like how where can you get inspiration? So culture, the arts, sports, like family and friends. So getting that kind of lingering emotional feeling on the weekend, and then you can use that energy to to charge you back in the venture. Cool. And then one last one for you.、Um, one thing you don't leave the office before finishing. Probably checking checking in on the team.、Mm-hmm. So, like, really, like starts and ends with with people and and clients checking in on the clients that making sure they're okay. If we we're talking throughout the day, right? So I guess finance and school like it it, it tells it tells you more like spreadsheets and modeling, but but experience teaches you that people matter matter much much more. Right in, in business school, they had the great line that that culture eats strategy for breakfast.、Huh. And have the yeah that perfect deck, and plan and strategy, but it, it, but if you don't get the people on board, like yeah, so I've, I've adapted that to, to culture eats spreadsheets for breakfast. <laughs> nice. Do you have that kind of saying on the top of your your desk or something, or or it's your desktop wallpaper? Or, <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice.、Uh, well, great. Thanks so much, Anthony. It's really been a pleasure chatting with you、uh, about your experiences, your path to Lakova, what Lakova does, and how you really think about you know the 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 movement from、uh, an NPO to now Lakova and how that's all gone.、Uh, so it's really been an awesome、uh, chat this morning. And thanks again for coming on the backboat. Thank you very much for having me.